Before I get started, I just there was something that was on my heart that I have I feel like I have to share um, during worship. Uh, I just I couldn't help myself. The Holy Spirit just was speaking to me, and and when we were singing the words, like a mighty storm, it reminded me that Jesus called the storm peace, and and He says, "Stir that within my soul, and Lord, have Your way with me." Lord, have your way with me by giving me peace in my heart. Stir my soul, stir my heart like a mighty wind. And he's calling it peace. How amazing is that? Like we sing these songs and then we say, I surrender to you. I surrender all to you. And all we're surrendering is into his peace, into his glory. Amen? Amen. I just I had to share that before I got started. Um, I, I, I want to thank uh, Pastor Josh. Um, he, he is one of my mentors I, I, on my journey um, in, this, in this season of life that I've been in over the last uh, eight years. Um, I've, I've come a long way, and if it hadn't been for Pastor Josh uh, and his teachings um, during, during my time at Messenger College, um, I don't think... I would have had such a great experience because he just, he really changed the way for me in so many ways. And I, I'm so grateful for what he's done uh, in speaking into my life, speaking into my, the wife of my, uh, to, to the life of my wife as well. Um, he's, he's just such a consummate friend, mentor, pastor. Thank you. Thank you so much for who you are and what God's done in your life. And thank you for being faithful to him through it all, through it all. And by the way, thank you for calling me young man, young man. Because I am older. <laughs> but I am young. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm just, I just turned 40 last year. Um, I, I uh, celebrated my 40th birthday. Uh, and um, I want to share a little bit about my family first. So the first, the first member of my family you have to meet, of course, is our, is our puppy, Pepper. And you'll notice her one ear that flops. It will never go up again. I don't know why. She was a rescue. She stays down. So, so that's Pepper. And then my two boys. I have two boys from my first marriage. Uh, Michael on the right, he's 12, turning 25. Um, and my younger, or my older son, who is 16, his name is Anthony. And uh, Anthony is 16, turning 12. <laughs> right? Um, they're great kids. They're, they're lovers of Jesus. Um, and uh, I was married once before. Um, I'll get into that in a little bit. And then, of course, I now, my wife, who I've been married to for two years, that's my wife, Kelsey, though. She's a worship leader. She plays piano and is just has a heart for God, a heart for Jesus, and a heart for worship of, of, of the Holy Spirit. And, and just, just is a lover. My, just, I can't say enough about her. She came into my life at Messenger College while I was there a few years back. And, and we, through our journey, had... had found each other. Um, God really placed us together uh, because he knew that I needed a good woman like, like Kelsey. So um, she, she's certainly the woman that I will not say completes me, but partners with me in, in my life. And she is, she is an amazing woman. So uh, Pastor Josh asked me to share my testimony with you tonight. And um, I, I want to start out with, um, I, I, was, I was raised Catholic. Um, I, my parents are originally from South America, from Colombia. Um, they journeyed through uh, Europe uh, when they were in their 20s uh, through uh, Germany and Spain, and then came to the United States in a, around 1974. 
Um, I was the first generation born in this country um, of my entire family line. Um, so I, although I have two older brothers that are in their almost 50s now, which is odd to say, um, and I have a younger sister who's a couple years younger than me. Um, and I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I I'm, I'm, was born and raised there, and I moved to California in 2000, 19 years ago in January. Um, and, and growing up in New Jersey, uh, very different than California, I had weather like this. And the weather here, I, I, I gotta say, it took me back to some of those very cold days in New Jersey. Um, I walked outside and my ears started burning. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. <laughs> My ears were burning from the cold. It was, it was uh, quite the experience to bring me back. Um, but growing up, growing up Catholic, uh, I, I cel we celebrated a lot of the, the, the holidays a little bit differently. Um, and I was about 10 years old uh, when I first um, knew that I had a walk with God. I was very, very interested in the liturgy. I was very interested in the order of, of how the mass ran. And as a, as a as a baby, I, I remember, I still remember standing up on the pew and watching the priest do the, do the whole uh, mass and would copy him. So I would, you know, and I would be copying him and he would bring up the bread and he would be blessing the bread and I'd be there as, as, a, as a little one. And so um, at about 10 years old, um, they, they, we were doing the Stations of the Cross. Is anybody familiar with the Stations of the Cross? Of course, during, during the Easter time, they go and they, they do eight, is it eight? eight? Eight different Stations of the Cross um, at different points at, at the, in the church. Well, that one year, um, Good Friday fell on April 3rd, and uh, they decided uh, to do it and go from church to church. So it was an interdenominational um, uh, uh, service. So we would go from the Baptist to the Episcopalian to the Presbyterian Church. Um, we didn't have uh, Pentecostal churches there, um, but there was a lot of other denominations. And so we, we would travel around from church to church doing this. And I remember at, at the beginning of the service, at the beginning of the service, they said, would somebody come up to carry, or at the end of the service, I'm sorry, would somebody come up and carry the cross to the next church? And I was about 10 years old and I felt tough and I wasn't that big of a cross. So I was like, I'll do it. And so I ran up, and I picked up the cross, and I carried it to the next church. Um, and I then did it again at the second church, and the third church, and the fourth church. So at the end of each station of the cross, I had carried the cross from church to church. And it wasn't very far. It wasn't quite a mile between the churches. It was fairly close together, but as a 10-year-old. But I, I, felt, I felt energetic and strong enough to carry the cross. And um, I remember we got to, like, the fifth church and at the end of the service I went to get up and my mom grabbed me and she's like sit down you have to let somebody else do this too um, and I was like okay but then I continued on the rest of the churches they allowed me to do it I, they, my mom saw my desire to go and carry the cross of Jesus from church to church so they let me do it and I remember and it was during the second half of it I remember audibly hearing you know as I picked up the cross this is my cross and I'm asking you to bear my cross will you carry it? And I said, of course. And he said, good, because my yoke is easy. And I said, okay, great. This is light. I can carry this. I can carry this the rest of my life. Sure. And that was the first moment where I felt the audible 
presence of God in my, in my life, I heard him speak to me this, this message that I was going to carry his cross. I didn't know what that meant. I was all of 10 years old, but I remember hearing that voice in my head. And so I, I, I continued on um, in my schooling and, and things like that and, and, and you know, going to high school and playing sports. I was a soccer player. I went on to college to play soccer. Um, I went to a Jesuit college. I stayed active in my church all through my, all through my teenage years. I was very, very involved with church as a, as a, as a young as, as a teenager, and I loved it. I really had a passion for it, and I, and I knew that calling. I remembered that calling from when I was 10, and it really just kept resonating in my life. I'm supposed to become a priest. I'm supposed to become a priest. I'm supposed to become a priest, but I just didn't have a heart to not get married. I'm like, no, but I want to be married, and, and so that kind of stuck with me over the years, and so as I, as I got into my um, late teens, rebellion started to stick in like kind of we all do in our 20s um you know or, or late teens early 20s you know oh god i can do it my way you know i can i can i can i can hit in my direction and you'll be along with me but you know i'll look back and i don't know you're there but i'll keep walking my way um and not not quite the way that you want me to but i'm i'm close enough to the path right i'm i'm right there uh and in my early 20s um, my brother was getting married, but his, his, the girl that he was dating or engaged to at the time was not a Catholic. And so he asked me to um, present her through the process of adult initiation in the Catholic Church um, to become a Catholic. And so I went with her and I started doing the prayer meetings and teaching her, helping her learn about what it was to be Catholic. I apologize that this is a lot of Catholic stuff. I promise it changes. <laughs> or else I wouldn't be standing here right now. Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, and so I helped her through it, and I got this. I, I, we were doing a retreat. I don't even remember what we were supposed to, to be studying or talking about, but I, it, was, it was one of those moments where I said, God, I need you. I need you to answer my prayer right now. Even though I'm here for her and doing this with her, I need an answer to prayer right now. I need to know if you're calling me to priesthood. If you want me to come and serve in your kingdom, I need you to call me by name. I need to hear you call me by name and know that it's you, that you're telling me this is what I do. Because if I go become a priest, that means I'm not getting married. I'm not having kids. I'm not doing the things that I feel like I want in my life. But I know that I, but the greater good was to serve you. Because I knew that at that point in my life. I was about 20, 21 years old at this point. And so I played Bible roulette. And I took my Bible and I just said, I'm going to open it, and you're going to tell me, and you're going to, and you're going to talk to me right now and call me by name. And so I opened it up. How many of you have done that ever before? I need a word. Can I open the Bible and you give me a word? Right? Well, God was pretty clear with me because I said I wanted you to call me by name. Now, Dario, or Dario, or Dario, which is the proper pronunciation of my name, is not an easy name to find around the United States in general. It's just not a very common name. Um, and uh, I guess I wasn't as versed in the Bible as I thought I was, because I opened to the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And my biblical name is Darius. And who was the king that sent Daniel into the lion's den? King Darius. And I opened the Bible, and I started reading that passage, and I was just, I, I, I was on my knees weeping. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that in that moment that God answered my prayer right there and said, I'm going to call you by name, and I'm going to tell you this is what you're supposed to do. And so I said, okay, I'll pursue it. Well, I had not finished my 
college degree yet. Um, I was, I'd still had a number of credits that I hadn't finished. I went to the priest recruiter uh, for the archdiocese, and they said, if you haven't graduated, if you don't have your bachelor's degree, you can't go to seminary. And I was like, well, and he's like, go back and finish your bachelor's. And that kind of disappointed me. I was like, wow, that's a pretty big barrier because I have a bit to do. And I had just started my career. My career was going really well. Um, I started working in um, an IT department for a law firm. And things were going really, really well. I was, my, my career was on a very upward trajectory um, at uh, big law firms. Um, and so I was very fortunate in that aspect. And I just kind of took a step back. And I was like, I guess it's not now. I guess I'm not supposed to do this. And then um, I not been, I had been walking next to the path that God wanted me to, or at least that's what I thought. Um, and I had started seeing a girl that was my neighbor, and she ended up pregnant, hence my first son. Uh, and it was a big, big thing for my family, because was, he was the first grandchild for my parents. And it was a big blow in a positive and a negative way, right? Because suddenly they realized, well, I wasn't being celibate or, you know, keeping myself pure for my wife. Um, and second, it was out of wedlock, and, but they were happy. It was their very first grandchild, um, and he's holds a very special place, and he ended up saving me. What I didn't realize then is that, and I, what I look back on now, if it hadn't been for him, my, my party years, my, the years that I was out doing the things I shouldn't have been doing would have destroyed me and would have taken a hold of me, and if, for, if it hadn't been for him, I would not be standing here right now. Um, but that brought me to that Catholic guilt, you know, and I was suddenly ridden with guilt of not being married to this woman. And so I got married of my own strength and said, I'm going to do this of my own strength because I know that that's the right thing to do. That's what the, you know, God wants me to do. And, but I didn't really see, seek out what God wanted to do. And I remember standing at the altar and, and saying I do to her um, and her looking at me kind of and pausing and being like, are we sure we're supposed to do this? And that was a tough moment because many years later, we both reconciled to each other and said, yeah, I wasn't in it. And she said the same thing to me. And I was like, wow, I wish we had said that from the beginning, right? We wouldn't have, you know, gotten, you know, gone through this very difficult process of divorce and, and having to, you know, work with kids through the divorce and things like that. Um, and, and I spent a lot of years arguing with the Lord. And I spent a lot of years angry and disappointed with myself, with the choices that I had made, with the, with the challenges in my life that, I, that, that were set before me. Um, and it, so my walk um, was somewhat crooked. And I, and, and I was veering away from the Lord more and more. And I was okay with accepting things of this world and being okay with the things that, um, you know, society said was okay. And it really, it really burned me. And, I, and, I, and it burned within me. And it burned who I was, and I, and I realized so many, for, and for so many years, that it was so difficult for me to reconcile that with what I knew what God's word was and what he wanted for me. I couldn't reconcile it. But I argued with him. I said, but you did this to me. You gave me the son. You, you, you gave me this wife. You gave me this thing. But my job, my provision, the things that I worked on, that I did, the things that I, I, I put that in front of me. I'm the one that's out there doing the work every day. And I was doing great. I was at the top of my career by the time I was 30, but I was divorced. I had two kids. I had lost, I had lost two homes. And things were just very rocky for me. And it was very difficult. And, but my job was still going 
really well. So I'm like, well, my personal life's a mess. I have, I have no church. And, well, I'll just keep working really hard and doing really well financially, doing really well, uh, you know, in my job, because, you know, getting to the top of the ladder in my job. Uh, and, and I was very successful. And even though I devoted my entire work, uh, to, devoted myself to my work and, and, did, and did what I was supposed to do at my job. Um, I was still a good father. I'd, I was always around my kids. I was always taking care of them. Probably not as good as I could have been. And that's my regret, looking back on it, was I wasn't as good as I could have been. Um, and there came a moment, though, that suddenly things started breaking down, the things that I had control. I had control of my body. I had control of my job. I didn't have control of other people because the relationships that I was in, the girlfriend that I had at the time, the ex-wife that I had at the time, I couldn't control any of that. They weren't me, so I knew what I had control of. I could do what I could do. And that's work hard and take care of my body. But at a certain point from the years of playing soccer, my body started breaking down and I hurt my back and I was out of work for three months. I had to take a time off from work. I had never done that in the years that I had been working and it was devastating because my identity was in, in my work. And it was so hard. It was so hard to lie in bed, not being able to work, and having to pop pills. And I never had problems, popping, problems not popping pills. That wasn't an issue that I had. Um, it wasn't about that, but it was about just being able to get up out of bed and walk. I needed to have pain pills in order to just survive my day. Um, and fortunately, by the grace of God, it healed. But it was the beginning moment where I realized that I suddenly didn't have control of things in my life anymore, the things that I thought I did with my back hurt. And then as I got, went back to work, I suddenly realized, well, work's not as stable as I once thought it was. And my job suddenly decided to restructure. And suddenly my job was very much on the line, and it was either moved to, I don't even remember where they, I think it was Tennessee that they ended up centralizing to. They're like, either move to Tennessee or you're fired. I'm like, but my kids, I, mean, I was in San Francisco at the time, and I'm like, my kids are in L.A. I'm not moving to Tennessee. How am I going to survive that? I'm like, well, I guess you can't work here anymore. And I was 32 years old. 32. No job. And the relationship that I had been in after my wife was falling apart. Found out she was cheating on me. Found out that she didn't really want, like my kids at all. And... Uh, I was like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, God. So I went back to church for the first time in over 10 years, at about 32, and I was like, God, if you help me, I'll be faithful. I'll be faithful. I'll come back to church. I'll rededicate my life to you. I'll come back to Catholic Mass, and I'll, and I'll do daily Mass, and I'll bring my kids to church every Sunday. I'll make sure that they'll get the word. Oh, I got a job. What do you think I did? I didn't go to church. I made that promise, and I didn't even try once after I got the job. I didn't even try once. Um, and again, I look back on that, and I'm like, wow, I had an opportunity there. I had an opportunity to, to, to really get back on the path that God wanted me to get on, and I walked away from it. And what happened a year later, the job was gone. He said, I'll trust you with this. 
if you are true to your word. So he's like, but if you're not true to your word, I'm going to bring you back. And a year later, I wasn't true to my word, and he was true to his word. You know, he, he said, you know, he's like, no, you're not, you're, not, you're not ready for what I have in store for you. I was like, oh, okay. You think you know what you're doing. Fine. Okay, God. And I remember sitting there arguing with him over the things in my life that I needed changed, the things that are in my life that I needed to, to recover from, the things in my life that needed to be addressed. And I would sit and argue with him night after night, night after night, and nothing was getting fixed. And then my brother came to me one day and he said, you know, I don't ever remember arguing with God and him saying, you know what? You're right about that. I'm wrong. And I sat and I thought about that for a moment. I said, yeah, I don't think God is wrong ever. <laughs> right? Is he ever wrong? No, he's perfect. He is true. His word is truth. So everything that I was arguing with him about, I was always wrong. And it was that moment where I had that click where I was like, oh, no. What have I been doing for the last 10 plus years? I was wrong the whole way through. All the way through, I was wrong. And I fell to my knees. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for ever thinking that what you said about me was wrong, was wrong and that what I said about me was right. Because I was trying to do it of my own strength. I was trying to be the man that I thought I was supposed to be. But the example I had, and it, was, and it was by no means the fault of my father or my brothers or the other men in my life, it was just who I built myself up to be, who I thought I was supposed to be, but not what God called me to be. And so I found myself utterly alone. <laughs> And I didn't know what to do. I was living with my parents. I was about 33 years old. Um, and I had my two kids who I was ushering back and forth between their mom and my, my parents' house. I had no job. I had no prospect of a job. I had a decent savings account because I had been making a lot of good money over the years. And so I was able to save up. And I was like, well, mom and dad, I, can, I can't rent something because I don't have a job. Um, so can I live with you for as long as it takes until I can get a job, I can get back on my seat, get, get myself established, and in the meantime, can you help me with my kids too? My parents, of course, parents are amazing. I'm blessed to have parents that have just been there through it all for all of us. Um, and, and they've been married for now, I think this year will be 51 years. Can I get a hand clap for my parents married 51 years? Isn't that awesome? I love my parents, and, and, and they, they were such uh, an amazing influence on me um, over, those, over that time frame that I was, I was coming out of that dark place. Um, and so I started attending daily mass, and I said, okay, God, I'm all in. I hear you now. I'm all in. So I need you to show up every day with me and help me see what you want for my life and how I'm going to do this. And so I started attending daily mass with my mom, um, and then my brother came over to me and said, hey, bro, why don't you come to this church with me called Higher Vision Church in Valencia, California? And I was like, okay, well, I'm not sure about this. And 
I went in and I'd been around growing up. I had been around charismatic Catholics. My parents had been, you know, exposed me to charismatic Catholics. So it wasn't like, you know, speaking in tongues or the hand raising or, or, you know, being slain in the spirit. Those weren't unusual to me, but I was always like, that's not for me. That's for them. That's not for me. As a Catholic, as a traditional Catholic, more in the kind of, uh, the, 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 way I grew up in church, it just wasn't as common for us, but I had been exposed to it. So uh, my brother takes me to this Pentecostal church, Higher Vision, uh, and, and I stand there and, uh, and I'm listening to the messages and I'm like, wow, that was really good. That was really powerful. And what I, what I realized was suddenly that he was talking right at me. The pastor, uh, Pastor Jared, was speaking right at me like he was looking at me and saying, this word's for you. And I'd look up at him, I'm like, I didn't actually say, but that's what I heard, right? I was hearing some audible voice telling me the message that I'm sharing right now for, is specifically for you. And every message that I heard was specifically for me. And I'd be in the Catholic uh, daily mass and I'd listen to the homily and I'd be like, something's off here. Like, I'm not getting anything. Like, is this, is this thing on? Like, am I, am, I, am I not hearing anything anymore? Um, and, and I just wasn't getting anything. So I, I was frustrated because that's what I knew, and I was comfortable in. I knew the tradition of the Catholic Church. Um, and, and, but this, this guy, this amazing pastor, just keeps speaking, and he keeps sharing things. And I'm like, oh, it's... But then I was like, it's just him. It's just him. And, and so I went to midweek service with my brother. Uh, and that pastor, who was not the lead pastor, who was the spiritual growth pastor, suddenly was sharing messages again that was speaking right to this experience that I was going through in that moment. And I was shocked. And I turned to my bro, I'm like, bro, you're telling him, you're friends with him, so you're telling him what I'm going through right now. Has anybody had that moment where that pastor is speaking and you're like, is he reading my mail? Is he in my email box? How many of I've, I mean, it just kept happening over and over again. And I was shocked. And he, my, brother, my brother just looked at me with, and he just smiled and laughed. He's like, no, bro, that's the Holy Spirit getting a hold of you. And I looked at him, I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, and he's like, okay. I'm like, that's not for me, right? That's not for me. That's for those crazy Catholics, those Pentecostals, that hand-raising. But I remember that moment, though, that during worship service, and I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me, and I just started crying uncontrollably. And I fell to my knees, and I didn't know what it was. And I was just like, and suddenly the calm came over. The storm that was raging inside of me, the storm that was raging in my heart and in my mind, was suddenly at peace. And I surrendered. I surrendered to him in that moment. I said, okay, take it. And he said, son, I'll take it from you if you'll give it to me. If you'll put it on the altar, I will take it from you. And I was shocked. And it's been the first time since I'd been 10 years old that I felt God talk to me again and say, I've got you, son. I've got you. I'm holding on to you. I never left you. I never left you. And it was just so powerful. And I said, okay, 
I have to explore this a little bit more, right? <laughs> um, and I said, I'm going to keep coming to this, these crazy Pentecostals with their hands raised, waving around, uh, speaking in tongues, and who knows what those people are saying and all of that. And I mean this in a very loving way because I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm full on, full on Pentecostal now. Amen? Um, and, I, and I found myself getting, hearing the message over and over again that, that was speaking to my heart and reforming me and reforming who I was as a man, as a child of God, as, as, a, as, a, as a person that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was so excited about it. And, and, I, and so I got to that point, though, where I was like, well, I've got one foot in the Catholic Church and another foot over here, and I keep dancing, going back and forth. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't. I can't. I can't go back and forth. It's just too much for me. But I wasn't getting anything over here. But this is what I know. I know this, this tradition, this, this depth of, uh, of just, it's always the same. I've been to cathedrals across the world. I've been to Spain, South America. I've been to Colombia. I've been to Poland. I've been to England. I've been to France. I've been everywhere in the world. I can go to any city in this, in this country and have that experience of the Catholic Mass. And it was safe and comfortable. And God's like, how about you come take a risk with me? And I said, okay. And, I, and so I sat one, one Wednesday night in 2000. It was a, actually I have it written down somewhere. It was, it was in August and it was a Wednesday night after our midweek service that I went home and I sat out back. And it was beautiful under the stars. And before I started journaling, before I started listening to an old sermon, I turned to God and I said, I have a challenge for you. And I challenged you this many years ago. But I need an answer. I need to know that you're listening. I need to know that you know me still and you will call me by name. That you will call me by name again. And I cannot pick up this book again. I will not pick up this book again to be called by name because I know it's there. And I won't do it again. And does anybody know that God does not do anything the same way ever? He doesn't do it the same ever. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> Maybe I should have done it that way. So I'm journaling my feelings, my thoughts, because I knew that was part of the process of healing, was to journal and, 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 and deal with the inner stuff that was going on, and I was trying to do that. Um, and I'm listening to this message that had been recorded over a year before that. And I just randomly picked on it. I was like, well, that looks good. Launch. That's what it was called. The series name was called Launch. And they had this giant boat, wooden boat, that was sitting at the front of the stage. And the message was about Peter stepping off the boat in faith and stepping into the water, onto the water, and walking with Jesus. And I remember, and I was listening to it as I was journaling, and I was like, wow, that's a really powerful story. I really should. I, that's, that's what I need to do. I need to do like Peter did. I need to step out on the boat, and off the boat in faith, and walk on water with Jesus. And as he was sharing, and I was like, but Peter started sinking. And he's like, but Jesus was right there, and he reached down and took him by the hand and lifted him up. Can you imagine what it's like to walk on water with Jesus? Can you imagine what that must feel like? to hold Jesus' hand and walk on the water with him. And it excited me, and I stopped what I was writing. 
and Pastor Jared took three cards out of the boat. He said, you know, we're, we're believing for these people in our lives, these people that we've been praying over for the last couple of weeks to believe that they're willing to step out off the boat and step into their calling, step into their purpose, step into their relationship with God. And he reads the first name, David. We're going to pray for David. We're going to pray for the second name, Joanna. And we're going to pray for the third name, Darius. And I was there, and I stopped the recording. And I just, I, I looked down, and I looked at my computer, and I said, he did not just say my biblical name after I just asked for God to call me by name. And I rebound it probably about 10 times, <laughs> just bawling over and over and hearing my name called again when I challenged God to call me by name, that he, he stepped out for me. And it was at that moment that I knew where I was supposed to be. And it began the process of restoration in my life. It began the process of redemption in my life. It began the process of all the things that I had been teared away from me for me to see God and for him to come back into my life because I turned to him finally and I said, I, I surrender. I've got nothing. I have, I'm nothing without you. Sorry, this is, I haven't done this one in a long time, so thank you, Pastor Josh, for helping me. I, I needed this. Um, and it just, it began a fast track in my life to finding my faith with God, to finding my relationship with him, to, to stepping out in faith and doing what he's called me to do, what he called me and purposed me to do. He reminded me of the dead dreams, dreams that I had dreamed from when I was 10 years old, that I was going to serve him his kingdom, and what that looked like going forward with kids and with a wife, a wife that would stand alongside me and, and partner with me and be my ministry partner. Not my, you complete me, not my, you know, societies, you know, any of those things. She was going to be my ministry partner. She was going to be the person that was equally yoked with me that would step into her purpose, her calling, alongside my purpose and my calling. I didn't know what that looked like yet, and that came later. But in that immediate moment, I, I set my eyes on what I found out to be one of the most amazing experiences of my life, and that was pursuing God as a Pentecostal believer and believing in the power of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit falling upon me and, and, and breathing new life into me in a way that I had never known before. And the joy that I had lost from walking crooked paths, but he straightened them out. He straightened them out for me because he knew that one day I would get to stand here and share my story with, with people that may not necessarily relate to what I went through, but may relate to it in a way that in your life that you need redemption, that you need restoration, that maybe you don't believe that God is speaking or that he's forgotten you or, or any of those things that I know that it's not. 
It's, he's there. He may be quiet sometimes because we may be too loud. We may be arguing with him and him waiting for you to say, are you done? Are you done, son? Are you done, daughter? Because you're still my son. You're still my daughter. Even when you argue with me, I'm listening and I'm just waiting for you to stop and listen and be quiet. In that moment, I said to God, I've served in many areas of church through my teenage and early 20s. I'm not going to reach out and, and say, let me serve. Put me, put me in, coach, right? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I've done it. I've done it. And, I, and that's just my personality. I like getting involved. I like doing things. And so I like staying active and, and all of that. And so I... I, um, I walked into the church and I said, okay, I'm here. Show me where you want me to go. And he led me to leadership classes. And I was shocked. I was like, why are you bringing me to leadership? I've been in management for 15 years. I'm like, I don't need more management training. I don't need more leadership training. And I'd spent 15 years of my life reading books on leadership, Good to Great, um, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, Jim Collins, John Maxwell, Ken Blanchard, um, The One Minute Manager, and all of these great management books because that's what I did. I was a professional manager for a law firm, and so I needed to be good at that, and so I kept reading those things. What I didn't realize was that all of that leadership was based on this book. All of the concepts, all of the, the ideas that those great books that have done very well were all based on the Bible. It was beautiful, and once I realized that, and I said, okay, fine, I'll go and I'll, I'll find out what it was. And my friend kept tapping me on the shoulder. He's like, come take this leadership class with me. I'm like, stop tapping me on the shoulder. Anybody ever do that? Anybody say, I need a tap on the shoulder, and stop, stop, don't, no, what, what? And then realize, oh, that's where you want me, God. And so I went, and turns out that it turned into um, my college education. I'd gone four years of college, but I didn't finish my degree, as I said earlier. And he brought me to Messenger College, and he brought Pastor Josh into my life, and Brother Engel, and, and Brother Wayman, and, uh, and, and all of these amazing, just intellectually astute, brilliant minds, and, but spiritually filled, filled with the Holy Spirit in ways that, and I would just stand in awe and, and just be like, I'm... I'm just but a broken man. And they just smile at me. And they would be like, yes, we all are. Now come, with the journey. come, with, come along with us on this journey. And they poured into my life. And they poured and poured into my life. And, I, and suddenly that, transfigure, that transformation in my heart, was my, my heart of stone was turned to a heart of flesh. And Jesus and I, I, remember, I remember somebody asked me once, who are you? I said, well, I'm an IT director. That's what I do for my job. I'm a father. I have two kids. I'm a friend of this person. I'm a friend of that person. And suddenly, I realized that who I was was a child of God. I'm a warrior for Jesus that I'm going to step out in faith and say that Jesus is my brother. 
I'm going to step out on faith and say, Jesus is who I am because he lives inside of me. And when I got that transformation, when I got to that, when my, when my heart was changed, suddenly my mind changed. My mind started changing. And the things I desired in my life were no longer the things of this world. They were the things of what God wanted me to have. And he introduced me to my wife, my beautiful, amazing, gorgeous, just loving, kind, gentle, supportive, respectful wife who just would lift me up. And I look at her and I just say, yes, that's my gift. And God said to me, my good and faithful servant, here's your wife. And this is the person that you will do ministry with. This is the person you'll partner with. This is the person that you will go out into the world and make disciples with. And I was just so grateful because my life since then has just been so blessed, so blessed by his, his consistent desire for my heart and I just lift it up to him and I say, I'm all yours every day. I will never go back again. I may stumble, I may fall, but you're helping me back up. There's a presence here in this church when I walked in last night, I could sense God's presence here. I walked in and I was elated with joy. My heart was lifted. We had just driven six hours in the car with, with four grown men. We probably didn't smell very good. <laughs> um, and it was long and it was it was cold and we were all hot in the car and sweating and so but we got here you were cold in the car <laughs> yes there was some heater issues here some air conditioning issues but we made it and I walked in and I turned to Josh and I said Pastor Josh and I said wow what an amazing building what a beautiful sanctuary what a beautiful place for people to come and be here. And as I've been praying over this, the Spirit just continued to work on my heart and share some things with me. And I hope you don't mind that I share some of this right now. I was sharing with Pastor Josh. Harvest Street starts right there. The harvest is out there. And Harvest Street is right outside these doors. And it's coming through this building. It is time for transformation to take place in this church because this building will be full every service i saw the glory of god on this building in the nighttime sky lit up to the skies and people not knowing why they were coming here but there was something about this place there was music coming from this place pastor there was a message that was coming from this place, Pastor. There was administration of gifts and organizational and systems, Pastor, that were going to take this area 
And there were leaders that were emerging from this congregation to help bring people in and usher them into the kingdom and to experience the kind of transformation I've experienced and probably every one of you at some point in your life have experienced. God is at work here. God is at work here. He is at work out there, and he's ready to prepare them to go from there to here. Are you ready to take up the call? Are you ready to take up the call? Are you ready? 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 Because it's coming. The glory is coming here. And we've got to be ready. We've got to be standing up. We've got to be in it. We've got to be prepared. We've got to get educated. We've got to, we've got to prepare our hearts. We've got to get out and say, have you heard that Jesus is here? I just want to use one verse of scripture because I wouldn't be doing my job up here if I didn't use scripture at some point. And it's a scripture I've been ruminating on for the last week. God shared this with me, and it's not an uncommon verse, so I hope you'll turn to me, turn with me to chapter, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. I'm in the NLT. Apologize I didn't bring my King James. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This verse isn't about the magical promise of God. It's about knowing that in the thick of it, when you're struggling, that he's there with you. When you have it all, he's the one that's given it to you. So I can do all things. And I've given up doubt. And I've given up fear and replaced them with joy and passion for the Lord. So when you're doubting that you can't serve in leadership or in ministry, I can do all things. If you're too busy, I can do all things. If I'm feeling weak, I can do all things. Our mission is to love one another and to love God with all our heart and soul. Will you take up the cross? Amen.